good. Thank you for using your talents and your gifts for the Lord. What a blessing. 30 years ago, I walked into a church just like this, almost 30 years, 29 years this month, and uh, had hair down to here. And If you hear my pastor tell the story, my hair gets longer each time he tells the story. The tail gets longer and the hair gets longer. He said, he said you know, when Richard came to church, he came into church and his hair was in the parking lot, amen, and it wasn't that long, but uh, God, was, God was good. I, I was... Uh, I was, of course, lost, and I, I had not grown up in church, a church like this. I think of uh, those of our, our children that have been privileged to grow up in a church like this, where you have Sunday school teachers that love you and care about you and teach you the Word. But I didn't have that, and I remember I was 23 years old, and I walked into a church, and I had my, my heavy metal T-shirt on and my, uh, my overalls, and oh my goodness, what a sight. And... Uh, in the church, I, I just remember that the second weekend I heard the gospel and I trusted Christ. And and what a blessing it was to, over the next years, really three, four, five, six years, seven years, eight years, what a blessing it was to be under the influence of spirit-filled, godly, committed Faithful believers. People that just love the Lord. And by the way, some of those people were preachers. And, and they preached the Word of God and, and, and the Holy Spirit moved in my heart. And I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. And I, and I appreciate every true preacher of the Word of God who delivers the goods and leads churches or whether they're evangelists and they come and uh, encourage the church kind of with a breath of fresh air. But I want to just tell you something. Most of those people that I'm referring to were regular people. There were people who worked a job, provided for their families, took care of their God-given responsibilities and all God's people said. And they just wanted to please God. They spent time alone with Him. They were empowered of Him. And they, they did their best to try to live for Him and reach others for Him. And I want to just say this. Such people are the backbone of great churches. And they are, they, they are seemingly, they're always there. They're always volunteering. Uh, I think about the old quote, if you want something done, ask a busy man. You know, it seems like that way in regards, Brother Stark, to the volunteering of the ministry. Uh, some will say, well, I want to volunteer for this ministry, but I'm already participating in these three. You know, and again, I'm all for that, but we need people to step up and say, look, I'll volunteer for a ministry. And I think about these people that, uh, and by the way, such believers like this are always in demand. Every church needs people like this that are just there and love the Lord and want to please Him. And I thank God I, I can think of people in my life, and I, I go back and I, I think of that Mountain View Baptist Church where I got saved in Massachusetts. I think of Brother Chuck Brewer, and again, Brother Boston knows Brother Brewer, and, and Mrs. Boston, of course, is from uh, the same home church as my wife and I, but Brother Brewer, he was a machinist for years, he retired, and uh, he was cranky. I didn't know that. Brother, the pastor and Mrs. Brewer told me that, said, oh, before he got saved, he was he was uh, quite a quite a sight. And then he got saved, got right with God and put both feet running for God and I know you won't believe this it's a, this is a fault I'm you know my hands on the Bible I'm in the pulpit here I was his silent partner for a year going calling and my job was to entertain the kids take care of the giant dogs 
that tried to eat us alive. It was my, I was to be the meal, amen. And uh, playing with kids, I, I remember one time we were out on the call and Brother Brewer was dealing with somebody about salvation and the phone rang, the old school phone on the wall with the cord. Ring! I just picked it up and I said, they can't talk right now, click <laughs> Oh, amen. I remember Brother Brewer, and I remember we used to have Saturday night prayer. And Brother Brewer was aged at that time, and he was starting to suffer from dementia. And I'll never forget something he said, if I keep my memory. He was having dementia, and he began to pray for his daughters. He had four daughters, and he began to list them. He said, Lord, bless Jennifer, and bless Penny, and... And then he stopped and he kind of choked up a little bit. And he said, Lord, I can't even remember my own daughter's names. And then he said this, and I'll never forget this. He said, but I'm still here, Lord, and I still love you. Tell you what, to be around people like that is a precious treasure. Precious treasure. Then I went to, went to Bible college at Midwestern Baptist College, and I met so many wonderful professors. But uh, I think of my Sunday school teacher at, uh, at Emmanuel Baptist Church. His name was Lyons Lawson. And Lyons Lawson was just one of the greatest people you could ever meet in your life. He was a firefighter who got saved. And he just gave his life to the Lord, and, and he was just about Father's business. And I, Bill Stark, I got to rub shoulders with, with this guy. And then I went back to our home church, and again, so many wonderful people. I could, I could list them. You, you folks wouldn't know them. Miss Kim uh, would know them. But uh, then I went to work with Brother Marty Schott, and many of you have heard Brother, Brother Schott preach here, and he's just such a, just such a dear man of God. And, and uh, I, just, I thank God. I thank God for spirit-filled Christians. I just thank God for people like you that... And I mean it. A lot of you are just this way. You're just trying to live for the Lord. You're, you're, you're trying to glorify Him with your life. But then there are those believers who genuinely trust Christ. They, they truly do. They, they follow the Lord in believers' baptism. We got two young ladies up in the balcony that were just baptized last, last week. And appreciate that. So, so these believers, they, they genuinely get saved. They, they follow the Lord in believers' baptism. They, they begin walking with the Lord in fellowship. They, they begin trying to have Bible time and, and prayer time and have devotions. And they, they seek to obey what they hear from their, their pastor and their Sunday school teacher as they preach and teach the Word to them. And they begin to become faithful uh, to the church and to try to witness and share their faith and make Maybe give of their income to the local church and, and even get excited about uh, specifically maybe giving to missions and all these things. And then something happens and all of a sudden they're around less. And their attitude changes. There's a, a visible change in their countenance. What has happened? Well, perhaps one of many things has happened, but what is being manifest for all to see is that believer has become a backslider. They have begun to backslide. 
If you look at the book of Jeremiah, it's a tremendous book of the Bible. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 19, we have the commission of Jeremiah. This is where God commissions Jeremiah to his work. And by the way, verse 5, uh, boy, I know the liberals would love to carve verse 5 out of your Bible, but it's in there, amen. And it's a blessed verse that says there, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Amen. And uh, praise God. God's the author of life, and he's the one that forms. And he says, Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctify thee, and I ordain thee a prophet unto the nations. And, and uh, boy, that says a lot about the sin of aborticide right there. I'm not preaching on that tonight, but the commission of Jeremiah. And then in the next two, in chapter 2 and into chapter 3, verse 5, we have the confrontation of Judah, where God, God calls out his people for their sin and the, particularly the sin of backsliding and then you have the condemnation of Jehovah uh, which is the judgment uh, in chapter 3, 4, 5 and 6 and so in this text that we're looking at here in Jeremiah chapter 3 God has blessed his people in miraculous ways and yet they went off into sin and before you uh, shake your head at, at Judah and at Israel, amen, uh, I'd advise you to take a look in the mirror. Uh, I think about how God has blessed Christians in America and how many Christians casually go off into sin. And he, in particular, he's dealing here with idol worship. The word backsliding or backslidings is prominent here in our text. Look back, if you would, you've got your Bible there in Jeremiah. Look at chapter 2, please. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. It says there, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. Wow. What a, what a belt that is. What a switch that is. Amen. Your own wickedness corrects you. He said, In thy what? Backslidings shall reprove thee. Then if you go over to chapter 3, verse 6, it says, The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen which backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up upon every high mountain under every green tree, and there played the harlot. Those, were, those, those groves and high places were places of false worship. And what does he call her here? Backsliding Israel. Then if you look at verse number 8. And I saw when for all the causes whereby, what? Backsliding Israel committed adultery. I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. Look at verse 11. It says, And the Lord said unto me, the backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Verse 12. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord. Verse number 14. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord. For I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city, and two of a family, and I will bring you into Zion. And then the verse we read in verse 22, Return ye backsliding children, and I will 
heel, you're backsliding. Eight times, just in this passage in Jeremiah, we find the word backsliding or backslidings. God is warning and reproving his people. Now, listen, again, the church is not Israel. Israel's not the church. But we can always take lessons from the Old Testament here. Amen? And he, he says here, he's warning them about sin and the, particularly the sin of backsliding. And what can, I, what can you and I learn from this warning? I have a practical message with some simple applications tonight. First of all, number one, I believe a backslider is saved. I believe that with all my heart. A backslider is saved. In the Old Testament, it's talking about Israel. But in the New Testament, this morning, uh, we mentioned one in particular. So let's go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And look at the passage again. I, I mentioned this passage this morning. We didn't, we didn't uh, go to it and look at it. Uh, but we'll look at verse 69 through 75 of Matthew chapter 26. I'm getting there, Tommy. Let me get there. Amen? Amen. Chapter, chapter 26, verse 69 of Matthew. Now Peter sat without in the palace, and the damsel came unto him, saying, Thou was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. And when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto him that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Well, that's a far cry from, I'll never forsake you. A few verses earlier, right? And after a while... Came unto him they that stood by and said unto Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Your speech is given you away. Then began he to curse and swear. <laughs> and saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. When we think of Peter, do we think of somebody that's unsaved? No. We think of somebody that backslid. Now, I want to tell you something. And now, I will say this. Examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Uh, you, you may be completely backslidden because, you know, you never got saved. But I'm telling you, just as a general rule, backsliders, a backslider saved. You want another example? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians in your New Testament. The, the epistle of 1 Corinthians, again, I go back, I probably say this too often, but I always remember what Dr. Harry Carr told us young preachers uh, that as we were in his pastoral theology class, he said, if God calls you to a church, he said, and you want to do yourself a favor, he said, just preach a series on 1 Corinthians, because it'll hit just about every sin that you'll deal with in the local church. <laughs> Amen. And uh, he's right. Uh, th this was a carnal church, a fleshly church. Corinth was a, a wicked city, and these people got saved out of this wicked city. And they didn't lose all their baggage the moment they got saved. Chapter 3, verse 1, I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto what? Carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I fed you with milk, and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal, for where is there is among you envying and strife and divisions? Are ye not carnal and walk as men? And by the way, what, 
was that envying and strife and divisions? I'll tell you what it was. It says it right here. For while one saith, I am Paul, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who then is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. You know what this was? Forgive me. This was, this was preferential treatment of preachers. Well, I like this guy, so I'm going to give him an offering. I don't really like that guy. Who cares if they're preaching the Word of God? So this, this church, and, and you can go further, you can go to chapter 5, and there's, there's fornication in the church. Chapter 6, they're suing each other. And God says, listen, you're going to judge angels. What are you doing bringing this cause before the world? And then at the end of, uh, or probably the middle of uh, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul lays it out. He says, look, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves of mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking about the unsaved and all the fleshly sins that they commit. But then he says this. Mind this now. We're talking about backsliding, right? He says, and such were some of you. There was people in the church that had committed all these sins that he was talking about. He said, that used to be you. He said, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And yet, Paul was having to write what we call a corrective epistle to them. Why? Because they were backslidden. Were they unsaved? No, they were carnal. Huh? They were fleshly. So, number one, the backslider... Is saved. Number two, a backslider has become unspiritual. That is the definition of being a backslider. You were once walking in spiritual things and now you have allowed something to creep in and you have become unspiritual. I submit to you uh, just three reasons tonight and there's more. We could certainly have more. Uh, number one, uh, people become unspiritual because they forsake their first love. They forsake their first love. That's Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Jesus talked to the pastor in the church at Ephesus, and he said, Look, you've done a whole bunch of good things. You, you've born, you've, you've, you've exposed false prophets, you've done all these things, but nevertheless I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember what he said to the church? He said, Remember from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I'll come quickly, and we'll remove thy candlestick. Those of you that know your Bible, that means that God has the authority to shut the church down for backsliding. And he has. I believe he has in many cases. He's closed churches. They maybe didn't close for another three, four, five, six years, but he closed them a long time ago. Not reaching people, not seeing people saved, not edifying people, not loving one another. He, he just closed it down. Listen, don't leave your first love. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. You always want to communicate with the one you love. You always want to spend time with the one you love. Don't tell me you love God and not in your Bible. You're, you're just giving Him lip service. Be in the Word every day. Be in the Word. Spend time in prayer. You say, I'm not good at praying. Just talk to God. Just talk to Him. Just prayer, prayer is asking Him for things. 
Hey, get your heart right. There, there's a procedure in prayer. I believe you ought to confess first. I believe you ought to praise. Amen. And uh, and just tell God how, how wonderful he is, how much you genuinely appreciate him. But then come boldly to the throne of grace. See, a backslider has become unspiritual. They've left their first love. They, they've forsaken their first love. I, I think this for every, every time. And I'll just say this. Uh, I have backslid since I've been saved. I know I've backslid. There's been times where I've backslid. And if you would take your halo off for just a moment, you would have to admit that you probably backslid too. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you one of the reasons we backslide, and that is not only we forsake our first love, but we forget all that God has done for us. I want you to go to a passage. It's an Old Testament passage, and it's about Israel, but it fits us so well. I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 16, please. Ezekiel chapter 16. So again, the primary interpretation here is to Israel. God is writing to Israel, but the application is for you and I for sure. And that is just God here, he, he shows his, his amazing love toward his people. And I'm just going to start reading it. It's, it's a bit of a lengthy passage, uh, verses 1 through 14. So you just catch up when you get there. <clears throat> it says again, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother a Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day thou wast born, thy navel was not cut. Now get this illustration here. Amen. I, I've been there uh, for each one of the three births of my children, and uh, I had to do that job. Now, my wife had kind of the easier job. No, I'm not, amen. I better not go there, amen. No, she had the hard job, amen. I just had to, the, 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 you know, the doctor comes over to the dad who's going like this. And they put those snippers in our hand, those little weird scissors. And I'm like, what am I going to do with this, amen? And they said, well, you cut the cord. I'm like, well, don't, don't I pay your salary, amen? Don't you guys supposed to do this medical stuff? No, I do. And you walk up and you, so he gives the illustration here. And he says, you know, the, the cord was not cut. Neither wast thou washed in water to supple thee. Now I know recently in, in birthing it's been more common when a baby is born to put him right to mother's skin with all that junk all over him. But how many of you remember back in the day, they, you know, of course they give that baby a nice warm bath after they, amen, uh, but they, they clean them up. They clean them up. They take care of them. And so he says here, you know, your navel wasn't caught, you weren't washed in water to supple thee, you weren't salted at all, nor swaddled. That's so important for a baby to get swaddled right away. Know that mother loves them. He said, and then he said this, None I pitied thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee, but thou wast cast out into an open field. To the loathing of thy person in the day that thou wast born. Imagine this. Now, this, this happens in our country. Women give birth to babies and then just dispose of them. What an awful society we've become. But he said this. He said, And when I passed by thee, I saw thee, polluted in thine own blood, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. Yea, 
I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood live, I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field, and thou hast increased and waxed and graded. Thou art come to excellent ornaments, and thy breasts are fashioned, and thy hair is grown where thou wast naked and bare. Now, when I passed by thee and looked upon thee, behold, thy time was the time of love, and, and I spread my skirt over thee and covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee, saith the Lord, and thou becamest mine. Then I washed thee with water, yea, thoroughly washed thee away thy blood from thee, and I anointed thee with oil, and I clothed thee also with broidered work, and shod thee with badger skins, and I girded thee about with fine linen, and I covered thee with silk. I decked thee also with the ornaments, and I put thy bracelets upon thy hands, and a chain about thy neck. See, like he's caring for this person now. He's taking good care of him. He's being a blessing. Amen. He says, I put a jewel on thy forehead and earrings on thine ears and a beautiful crown upon thy head. Thus wast thou decked with gold and silver and thy raiment was of fine linen and silk and broidered work. Thou didst eat fine flour and honey and oil and thou wast exceeding beautiful and thou didst prosper into thy into a kingdom. And thy renown went forth from among the heathen for thy beauty, for it was perfect, my comeliness which I had put upon thee, saith the Lord God. But thou didst trust in thine own beauty and played the harlot because of my renown and pourest out fornications on everyone that passed by his it was. And it goes on here, this sad chapter, and it reminds us of all, ladies and gentlemen, all that God has done for us. And how, when we backslide, this is exactly what we do to Him. We forget all that He's done for us. That song we sung, I've got so much to thank Him for, so much to praise Him for, you see. He has been so good to me. Hey, listen, when you backslide, you, you, you know what you're saying? You're saying, you know what, I don't care if He's been good to me or not. Hmm? I just don't care. So the backsliders say, the backslider has become unspiritual, forsaken their first love, forgotten what God has done. And I, I mentioned this too, they followed their heart. People say, oh, I just need to follow my heart. You know what? You only tell you something about your heart. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. When you backslide, you say, I'm just following my heart, and you're going away from this book. You're following your heart, and your heart's going to take you right off the cliff. Backslider is saved. The backslider has become unspiritual. I'll say this if you go back to Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. Look at that with me. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 19. I think we looked at this verse. I know we did. It's the first one we looked at here. But it says this. Thine own wickedness shall correct thee, and thy backsliding shall reprove thee. A backslider is saved. A backslider has become unspiritual. A backslider is in danger of a spanking. 
See, because you are saved, you have a heavenly Father who has tasked himself with correcting you. See, I've, I've said this before. I've been in Walmart many times. Sometimes Meyer, but usually Walmart. Where a child is throwing an absolute fit. I mean, mom is putting groceries in the cart, Miss Judy, and the kid's throwing them on the floor. And I'm sitting there like this. And I begin to reach for the instrument that, that holds up my pants. Amen. And my father was so awesome at being able to get that off so quickly and then actually do his business with it and get it back on before his pants fell to the ground. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, ma'am, if you'll let me have that child for three minutes, I will solve this problem. But you know what? That child is not mine. I don't get to spank other people's kids as much as I would like to. You don't get to spank other people's kids. Amen. I get to spank my kids. Now, I haven't had to do it, thankfully, for a while. I have to get up on a ladder to get Eric. Amen. And, you know, uh, but when they were little, when they were little, we corrected them. You know, listen to me. If you're backsliding, you are in danger of a spanking. And by the way, you can keep reading in Jeremiah. God is about to give Israel and Judah a spanking. Judgment is going to fall on these backslidden nations. And I want to tell you something. God, and I've said this for years, God can spank you in three ways. He can take you to the woodshed. Okay? He can, he can give you financial reverse. He can, he, can, he can take things from you if you want. By the way, the best way to get a spanking is in the Word. That's the first way God tries to spank you. He'll, he'll give you His Word. He'll show you things in your life that need changing. And all you have to do is repent. And this, this passage says, just return to me, backslider, and I'll hear your backslidings. But if the Word doesn't work, then he'll use the woodshed. And if the woodshed doesn't work, listen to me, Christian, he can use the wooden box. You know what that is? That's an early grave. We all backslide from time to time. But if you stay in a perpetual state of backsliding, you're in danger of a spanking. Hey, didn't, didn't God give David a spanking through the man of God? When David for a year was completely backslidden because of his sin with Bathsheba, had Uriah killed, he thought he had gotten away with it, and in came old Nathan. And he said, Thou art the man. And what, what happened there? The Holy Spirit gave him a spanking. And then, we, by the way, from that we get Psalm 51, the great penitential psalm. Listen, if you're in a perpetual state of backsliding, you better be careful. And, and let, let's do this. Let's go to Hebrews 12. Let's go to Hebrews 12. It's a great passage. I mean, just great passage of Scripture. See, because if you are truly saved, if you're a backslider who's truly saved, that means you have a Heavenly Father. And He's not going to let you get by. 
what he says there in verse 5. He says, And have ye forgotten the exhortation, Hebrews 12, 5, which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. And then what does it say? For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. What's it say? Hey, if he loves you, he's going to spank you. Hardest thing, boy, being a dad, when those kids are little, and you have said, don't do this, or else. And some people continually move the or else. If I could give you a piece of advice, young parents, don't move the or else. You don't have to say the or else the first time, but if you say it, you better do it. You better let them know you mean business. And he says here in verse 7, if ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. And all God's people said, Shall we not much more rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they, speaking of our fathers, verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. And here it is, backslider. You ready? Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. I joke with my dad when I got older. I said, biggest lie you ever told me in your life was this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. I don't think I ever told my kids that. I think I said to them, this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. Now the truth is, it does hurt our hearts, doesn't it, that we have to spank our kids. It, it hurts. You don't want to do it. But we have a whole world out here that's gone crazy because they haven't done it. Uh, but then what does it say? This is such a great verse. No chastening for the, chastening for the present seemed to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. If you're a backslider, beware, because you're in danger of a spanking. God's serious about it. So, number one, a backslider saved. Number two, backsliders become unspiritual. Number three, backsliders in danger of a spanking. Number four, I love this. A backslider is still special to God. Amen? Look, look there at Jeremiah chapter 3, and then we'll go over to the book of Hosea. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 22. This is such, when, when you read about the, the graphic things that God says about how they've gone away from him. And he just simply says this. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. You know what, you know what this is in the New Testament? You know what he says? Repent. Just repent. Just come back to me. Come back to your first... And, and when you do, I'll heal you of that. Hey, can I give you a verse? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I heard the story recently of a little girl back in the days of, of school and slates. 
back when Mr. Merrill first started going to school, amen. Cave walls, amen, when they used to draw those symbols on there. <laughs> and uh, they had slates. They had, they had little slates with chalk, amen. And the little girl's mother had gotten very, very sick and she couldn't speak. And the little girl had been just a little distant and, and she had said something that was improper. And, and back in the day, they, they would say she had said she had been naughty. And she, she had been naughty in particular to her mother, but her mother couldn't talk to her. She was so sick. And so she was, she just had this, this, this grief about her, this, this heaviness that she had sinned against her mom. And her mom was sick, really, even unto death. And she, she wanted to do her best to let her mom know that she was sorry. She was sorry. And so she didn't know what to do. And so she, wrote, she took her piece of chalk and she wrote on that slate. And she said, Mommy, I'm sorry for what I said. She said, I know you can't talk, but if you, if you would forgive me, then just take this slate and erase it. And she brought it to her mother who was sleeping at the time, and then she, she came back the next day and she found the slate, Miss Judy, and it was all clean and all erased. And you know the wonderful thing ladies and gentlemen, is when you and I come to God through the blood of Christ, when we come and we say, you know what, I have sinned, I, I have been in a backslidden state, would you please forgive me? He takes that slate and he wipes it clean. Faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The backslider is still special. You want, let's go to Hosea chapter 14 and then we'll go to one passage in Luke and we'll be done tonight. I'll give you just some, some questions for application. Uh, Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Hosea chapter 14. I have in my, my wide margin Bible, Graham Scroggie was a, an, a prolific writer, an excellent uh, writer, pastored uh, in London during World War II, and he, he calls this the greatest chapter in the Bible for the backslider, Hosea chapter 14. And he says there, O Israel, what does he say in verse 1? Return unto the Lord thy God. For thou hast fallen by thy iniquity. Hey, backslide, backsliding is taking you. God has spanked you. You're backsliding now. What do you do? Take with you words and turn to the Lord. Say unto him, Take away all iniquity and receive us graciously, and we will render the calves, that was a word for sacrifice, We'll render unto you the sacrifice of our lips. Asher shall not save us. We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. For in thee thy fatherless findeth mercy. And what does he say? I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. See, if you're a backslider here tonight, God's still your father. He still loves you. He wants you to just come home. And so you can't preach on a point like that and not go to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. I was just looking. I've been invited to preach a father-son retreat at Camp Kobiak this year. And 
I was just looking at this text this morning and thinking about the ideal father. <clears throat> and then this text, the father, in this parable, represents God the Father. And we see something here. We know what happened in Luke 15, verse 11. A certain man had two sons, and you know one of them wanted to go off in the far country and did, wasted his substance, came to, got to the bottom of the barrel, started feeding pigs, which for a Jewish boy would have been unconscionable. And he begins to starve. There's a great famine. And in verse 17, it says, And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough to spare? I perish with hunger. I will arise and go unto my father. And will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. So here, here, this is a picture of a backslider right here. This is a backslider. He's gone into the far country, did his thing, wasted all that his father gave him. He comes to himself, he repents, doesn't he? And after he repents, he returns. He says, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son, make me as one of those high. I love it, verse 20, says, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said, and I bet you the father said, son, it's so good to have you home. I don't care what you've done. I'm just, I just care that you're home. And the son said, dad, I got to get this out. I told God I was going to do something as soon as I saw you, and I need to do it. Dad, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight. Look what he says here. He says in verse 21, Son said unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and no more worthy to be called thy son. But the Father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. These were all signs that, uh, of, a, uh, of a wealthy father that this was his son. This was not some servant. Bring hither the fatted calf. Somebody said the fatted calf is the only one that lost in this story. Amen. <laughs> Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Why? For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be married. Let me tell you something. Christian. Backslidden Christian. You come back to your heavenly father. And he rejoices and restores you. How about restoration? Amen. Isn't that wonderful? That you would, that you would say, hey, you know what? I, this is stupid for me to live in the hog pen. This is stupid for me to live in the hog pen. I'm just going to rise and go back to my father. I want to tell you something. If you're backslidden, you're still special to God. Just come home. Just come home. You don't have to stay out there in the pig pen. That's what backsliding really is. It's the sinful pig pen. It's the, I know what you say, God, but I'll do what I want. Well, that doesn't usually work out too well. Went to a door yesterday. Brother Merklinger and I, a guy came to the door. I'd seen him once before. We were holding out Bibles, and I offered him a Bible. He's like, no, nah, I don't want that, man. Okay, you know, it's, it's, the free Bibles outreach is wonderful like that. You can just say, hey, you can take one or not. And we, we happened to knock on his door, and he came to the door and had a giant bottle of vodka in his hand. Giant. 
Now, by the way, that's what lost people do, folks. And he had, he had a giant bottle of vodka in his hand, and I said, I remember you. And he said, and he gave me knuckles, you know, he's like, oh, I remember you, man. And, and, uh, he, and he said, I said, hey, you know, I saw you before, and we offered you a free Bible. We'd like to give you, we got a little card here that can tell you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven. He goes, he goes nah, I don't believe any of that stuff, man. That, that stuff just doesn't really work that well. And, and, you know, and he said a few other choice things that I couldn't possibly say from the pulpit. But we, we left, and I thought to myself, well, how's the hog pen working out? Like, it doesn't seem like it's going that well for you. Because when you just come home to the Father who loves you and gave His Son for you, and how shall He not with it also give us, freely give us all things, Romans 8.32 says. I want to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. If you're a backslider tonight, you're saved. Yeah, carnal, but saved. You're unspiritual, though. You've uh, forsaken your first love. You've forgotten what God has done for you. Or you've followed your heart instead of God's word. You're in danger of a spanking. You better be careful about that. You better be careful about it. I would run back to the Father. It'd be better than sometimes to deal with this chasing. But here's what I want you to know. That son, every bit of the time he was in the far country, he was still the son of that father. And I love that verse in verse 20. It says when he was a great way off, his father saw him. You know why? Because he was looking for him. Because that son was still special to the father. Just come home. Just come home. Don't stay in the hog pen of your backsliding. And it may not be the horrific hog pen, but you and I both know. I know when I'm backslidden. You know when you're backslidden. Just come home. Father, we love you. Thank you.